Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, new information about Bethesda's Starfield and is this the end of Titanfall? everybody and welcome to another episode of the what's good games podcast your source for video game news commentary analysis and funny stuff every friday i am andrea renee joined by miss Brittany brombacher hello andrea renee <laughs> hello Brittany brombacher <laughs> do you prefer to go by miss or mrs you know i've never asked you you know i've never even thought about that you can call me whatever the fuck you want however the fuck oh. you want and i will i'll answer to it Starting off sassy, just oh. how I like it. You know why? You know why? why Ladies and gentlemen, what? Andrea and I chatted for like, what, 35 minutes, just about life. And I realized that I uh, went through my entire glass of whiskey during our conversation. <clears throat> Whoopsie. Whoops. So excuse the sass today. It's, it's there. No, it's good. I love the sass. Um, speaking of sass, we also are wearing some sassy shirts so Brittany and I, without coordinating, both are wearing two of the different offerings in our What's Good holiday line in the What's Good Games merch store. So it's whatsgoodgames.com slash store if you want to check out our holiday merch. We missed the whole Black Friday train because, you know, life happens, but we want to offer you a discount code for the entire month of December for everybody, 15% off the entire store all month long. Brittany chose the discount code to enter at checkout, and it is Santa's butt. Um, That's right, S-A-N-T-A-S-B-U-T-T. ladies and gentlemen. S-A-N-T-A-S-B-U-T-T. Do not forget that second T. You know, I figured I wanted something a little sophisticated because we are a very professional show. We're always making these top 10 podcast lists, and I thought, you know, I think it's time I step up the professionalism. <laughs> So there it is. Santa's butt, everybody, is the code you enter at checkout to get 15% off all of your purchases at whatsgoodgames.com slash store if you want to get some of these holiday shirts for yourself. Um, hopefully it makes you giggle every time you, you look at it, just like it makes me giggle. Uh, thank you to our Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, David Icolucci, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, Matthew Goddard, and Punctified. If you want to support our voices at patreon.com slash whatsgoodgames, just like The Watching and Tabs Sherwood did this week, we would greatly appreciate that support. And hopefully you will enjoy your ad-free version of the show. Speaking of ads, this week's show is brought to you by Felix Gray and MeUndies, but we'll talk to you about that later. And boy, oh boy, did us talking about 
that one-star review and the importance of five-star reviews really bring out some wonderful people. This is the biggest list I think I've ever seen, Brittany. Oh, yeah. I was very surprised. I thought there was an error in the system, Andrea, an error in the machine, because <laughs> I had to keep scrolling to get to the, the very first entry here. But we have so many new podcast reviewers, so I'm going to fuck some of these up, but let's go. John Boy JJ, St. Parik 33, there's no T in there, don't at me. Heim 201, <laughs> Trask 899, Flava oh, 22, Sava, Cup of Joe, Man, Mandy Denim, Demon, El Biopoli, Eureka 323, The Spin, Vector 535, LL Shay. I love that. Uh, Scotty uh, Scotia Cypher? Sco- what is, yeah, Scotia? I was like, Scotia. Like we- Nova Scotia? No, oh, okay. See, that's why I keep you around, Andrea. Meowskers, <laughs> <laughs> Textures <laughs> Joe, Mac, Y Jill, El Padre 2.0, Dark Eco Freak 28, Corspman 840FMF, Robert E. Sanders, and Two Chubby Pandas. Boy, oh boy, like like you said, man, I, I got all the warm and the fuzzies. I got all of the, the, the happy feels. And all of these on top of the Spotify wrapped that everyone got this week where, the, you know, it shows oh, you. Oh, yay. Yeah, all the, you Thanks know. everyone who's tweeting at us. Yes, yeah, it shows you who your favorite podcasts, what your favorite podcasts are. And we made a lot of those lists. And again, it's just, you know, it just feels really good. So thank you. Thank you for supporting our show, especially this year. It's been particularly hard for both Brittany and myself. And the fact that you guys are still here, still supporting our voices, still listening and downloading the show means a lot to us. If you are looking for ways to support the show and you don't have a couple bucks to throw us on Patreon and you have already left us a five-star review, tell a friend about the show. Tell anybody about the show. Just one person makes a difference. And if maybe they download the show and they like it, maybe they'll tell a person. So that could be another way that if you want to support the show and you're looking for ways to support our voices could um, really help us. So Brittany, I don't know if you saw, but I was tweeting about APC by Schneider. So last year I did an unboxing with them for my UPS and I'd never learned about APCs or UPSs or power protecting your gear before. And they reached out to me and are doing a big giveaway. So I just wanted everybody listening to the podcast to know if you guys missed my tweet, go to my Twitter at Andrea Renee, check it out. They're doing a giveaway where you can win a NVIDIA graphics card and some other cool prizes. And uh, you can get all the details on how to enter the giveaway by checking out my tweet at Andrea Renee. Do you remember when I almost electrocuted myself? That happened. <laughs> don't do that, please. I literally don't know what I no. would do if you electrocuted yourself. <laughs> okay, I'd I probably won't. electrocute myself. <laughs> no, Brittany. Then no. Don't electrocute yourself, bitch. Stay safe. Okay, I won't. Don't do what I did, kids. <laughs> With that, let's go ahead and jump into the news. So it's a relatively light news week. Just. Full warning, but we want to start off with Respawn. So Respawn Entertainment, the developers of Titanfall, made a statement this week saying that they are ending all new sales of Titanfall, removing it from subscription services later on. So this report comes from IGN, and they write that after seven years, Respawn is finally ending all new sales of the first Titanfall game starting Wednesday, December 1st. They wrote a tweet saying that you know, it's part of our DNA, blah, blah, blah. We've made the decision to discontinue the sales and we'll be removing the game on March 1st, 2022, but they will be keeping servers live 
for those still playing and those who own the game and are looking to drop into a match. Today in Titanfall 2 and Apex Legends is the future. The franchise is a North Star for the caliber of experiences we will continue to create here at Respawn. So this is kind of an interesting thing. We don't really see this this often, and I think it's indicative of where digital games and live service games are going, that eventually they have to be pulled from the shells because you can no longer play them like my beloved Paragon in your Asheron's Call. Oh, I know. Asheron's Call immediately came. I was like, oh, God, it's a little close to home. Um, yeah, I mean, it is interesting, like you said, to watch this happen. And when people were tweeting about this, you know, I saw a lot of, oh, this is fucked up, blah, blah, blah. Not from the people in my timeline, but, you know, you can kind of peruse the comments that people leave on the response initial tweet. I don't know why I go in there sometimes. It's usually cesspool, but I digress. So I went in there, but then I was thinking about it. This game came out in 2014. You know what I mean? And I appreciate that people are still playing it, and I understand that. But if you look at the breakdown between Titanfall 2 and the first Titanfall, there's there just comes a point where it's like, why keep inviting people to play this thing that probably isn't even getting that much activity anyway, especially when there's a bigger and better, I'm assuming, version out in Titanfall 2. Um, at least they're still keeping the servers up as well. You know, and now I will say in our experiences, this is probably a sign of foreshadowing that like, yo, those servers are probably going to be taken down eventually, but maybe yeah. they can sway you to get over in Titanfall 2. So, I mean, like, while this is, you know, a bummer for people who still play and like I empathize, and I know Andrea empathizes, at least you still have your servers and it's just kind of the, the way these things go, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. No, no live service game lives forever <laughs> except for maybe is there a game that's been running for like 20 years oh. i don't know like like an wow, MMO? Maybe wow yeah that's one? that's when they came to mind i'm like oh wow maybe i don't yeah. know yeah wow interesting literally wow um but yeah, I feel like this is going to become more common as live service games become more popular and more commonplace themselves. So I guess if uh, you want to get in on the Titanfall train and you never did, and it's an excellent game, by the way, um, you should go ahead and do it. Also, the campaign was great in Titanfall 2. Where's Titanfall 3? Come on. I know, and that's the other one. thing about this statement, right? It says, rest assured, Titanfall is core to Respawn's DNA and this incredible universe will continue. So yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, you're going to get your Titanfall 3. I'm sure of it. Just when? I don't know. They're busy making Apex shit and Jedi Fallen Order 2. I can't mm -hmm. blame them. Those are really great games. But it is interesting seeing... Do you think, Andrea, I'm going to ask you this. Do you think the first Destiny is going this route? Or has it already? Like, I don't know. But you have the first Destiny, and then you have Destiny 2, right? And now those mm -hmm. are running separately, correct? That is correct, yes. Okay, so do you think... They're not a shared universe yet. Right. So, okay, so that's my question. What do you think the future of Destiny 1 is in relation to Destiny 2? Well, they've integrated Destiny 1, a lot of it, into Destiny 2 already. So there's um, not missions, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of... There's certain aspects of Destiny 1 that you can play currently in Destiny 2, not all of it. Um, but hopefully, I think... Fans are hopeful that they'll bring a lot of it back for for legacy people. But um, as far as like servers go, I just assume that they're on most of the same servers that Destiny 2 is on. So it's a little bit different. Mm. Um, but that's a great question that I don't have an answer to. I'm, I'm going to be honest. That's okay. I, I would hope that, you know, they make it like a Destiny shared universe eventually because right. they were pretty clear that like, 
Destiny 3 isn't happening anytime soon right. and that Destiny 2 is going to be continuing um, for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I have mixed feelings about that, but I think that um, it's something to kind of keep an eye on. Yeah, because it's all kind of the Wild West, right? We're seeing, you know, when games have been out for this long, like how do you handle these live service games when there's already been a newer version released and how do you like merge the two or do you ixnay them? So I'm really excited right. to see what happens with Halo Infinite because I feel like when you have a number behind your game, it gets awkward, right? You're like, okay, play Destiny. Oh, yeah. Like, play Destiny 2 forever. It's like, okay, well, then, like, how does that, you just change it to Destiny at that point? Like, you know, and with Halo right. Infinite, I feel like that name is pretty, um, it reflects very well what that could be because it's like infinite. Yeah, I feel like Final Fantasy XIV is going to run into that too at some point, yeah. right? Like, that's another, like, kind of like shared world live service game that's just going to, what, keep being updated indefinitely while the, mainstay franchise gets to like Final Fantasy 22 right or the yeah yeah like the numbering gets awkward so I guess the lesson learned here and you can think what's good games when your game wins all the all of the awards it's just don't put a number after your game you never know yeah exactly yeah just don't just don't do it mm-hmm before we get to our next story I want to let you know that this episode of what's good games is brought to you by Felix Gray Felix Gray has the blue light glasses that started it all. Five years ago, Felix Gray set out to create eyewear that would improve daily screen time. Since then, Felix Gray has been on a mission to create better relationships with technology. Felix Gray lenses filter 15 times more of that most important blue light that affects us all every single day. Whether you're on your cell phone, you're sitting at a computer screen, you're reading on your Kindle, or even... LED lights affecting you in your home. All of us are exposed to blue light on a daily basis. We want you to visit felixgrayglasses.com slash games to check out their fantastic selection of frames to help start blocking blue light in your life. So I'm currently wearing the clear Roebling. So I've had these for a while. I love these frames. They're super light. They're really cute. And because they're clear, they match just about everything. But they have a wide variety of frames to choose from no matter what your face shape or your style preferences are. Felix Gray also has both non-prescription and prescription lenses available because I use prescription glasses. So it was super important for me to make sure that my blue light lenses had my prescription in them. But I know that some people who have better vision than I do, <laughs> tier, don't need that. And you can just get some snazzy blue light lenses to help you while you're sitting at your work desk or when you're playing late night rounds of Lego Star Wars battles like me, or maybe you're just scrolling TikTok. Whatever your thing is on your phone, you should still protect yourself from blue light. So you can check out their selection now at felixgrayglasses.com slash games. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash games with for free shipping, free returns, free exchanges. So you know you're going to be happy. felixgrayglasses.com slash games so they know what's good game sent you. All right, Brittany, mm. let's talk about Starfield. Whoa. Whoa. So I think that it's safe to say that this game is on a lot of people's most anticipated lists for 2022. We've been awaiting what Todd Howard and the team at Bethesda have been working on with bated breath since Fallout. 
and they put out a new dev diary. What did this article at IGN say about that? It said that a new Starfield developer diary has been revealed, Andrea. <laughs> um, it says a new new concept art from the upcoming Bethesda game has been revealed, as well as discussed. Oh, it also discussed its focus on grounded, realistic exploration. In the video diary, game director Todd Howard explained that the staff at Bethesda Game Studios all had exploration in mind when it came to what Starfield would be about. Quote, coming to Starfield, everybody's starting over and saying, what would you want to do? What does going to space mean to you? And everybody comes back with the same thing. I want to see what's out there. But compared to Skyrim's epic fantasy setting and Fallout's retro punk apocalypse, Starfield will offer a different approach to how we will explore. Quote, it's got a more realistic science-based backing to it, says art director Matt Carofano. This is a more grounded game in a grounded setting about exploration. So I think that gives us a different take on how we make everything. Howard notes that despite the more grounded scientific approach, the way the world works will still be similar to that seen in the Elder Scrolls games. Quote, the mechanics of the world are entirely different, but there are similarities. I think that those are the things we like. We like playing first person. We like having all the coffee cups. We like to be able to touch everything. Those moments make the whole thing believable. Being able to watch the sunset and nighttime come and just sit there and watch the world go by seems like it's not gameplay, but it is vital to how you feel through the rest of it. Howard also points out that it is a universe, not just a game, and how that affects the design process. The video includes a lot of concept art of astronaut food and other mundane things that help make the world of Starfield more believable and authentic. He also discusses that culture is important, and so things like toys, bedtime stories, art, and entertainment are all woven into the world. He also teases that there will be more than one moment akin to emerging from Fallout's vault or Oblivion's starting dungeon. Quote, we always say that, we always have that step out moment into the world. I like to say that Starfield has two step out moments. It's cryptic. Mm, uh, dun, cryptic. Dun, dun, dun. So yeah, like you said, this is on so many people's most anticipated lists, but I feel like we know close to, close to nothing about it. But because of the reputation BGS has and, you know, it's exciting that they're working on something new. Obviously, there's a lot of hype behind that. But, you know, personally speaking, I'm a fan of the fantasy of the Skyrim. I just redownloaded Dragon Age Inquisition. Why? I don't know. It's not like I have enough games to play, but like I, that's my jam, right? And I know. But, nah, <laughs> come on. Your backlogs. You've. you've burn through it all oh i have not yeah i'm actually running out of video games to play um there's not enough video games in this industry to hold you know my attention because like it's just i'm fucking drowning but i'm craving that fantasy setting so spacey shit not really my jam that said you know i'm i'm curious i don't know if this got me more hyped maybe a little less hyped about it uh because it sounds like it's more realistic and like more you know again like not based in fantasy but that's okay but how do you feel about this? It's interesting because I really love fantasy worlds the same way you do. But I also am a big sci-fi right. person. But I would prefer to be sci-fi mm -hmm. fiction. Like I want it to be more fantasy science fiction than realistic science fiction. And I don't know how that's going to meld, but I trust Bethesda Game Studios as an RPG maker that they are going to, you know, show us something cool and show us something that is a world that you can get lost in. And it's interesting that, you know, you bring up like the cup 
and the some of the details and stuff that we see because I vividly remember Todd Howard putting on a behind closed door E3 presentation for the Elder Scrolls V. And at the time, I had no idea about the Elder Scrolls. I had never played an Elder Scrolls game. I wasn't into these big open world RPGs back then. I was much more of a rhythm and music um, and then, you know, action adventure fan. I mean, I was a diehard Assassin's Creed player, have been for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so like Elder Scrolls V was my first foray into Bethesda Game Studios RPGs, which is like, that's pretty deep into, into the trenches of what they've been doing, right? They've been making games a long time. And so I think what's really cool about that is that it speaks to Todd Howard's passion for the simplicity of the building blocks of the game and how if they don't get those little things right, then the bigger game won't be right because you need to feel immersed and the only way to make it immersive is to look at those small details. And I think that is inspiring, but also gives me confidence that Starfield is going to be a gameplay experience similar to what people have gotten in Elder Scrolls, particularly in Skyrim. And hopefully they've built upon what they've learned with Fallout to say, this is, these are the gameplay systems that we think players really gravitate towards and really enjoy playing. And how can we improve upon them for, for Starfield? I honestly don't think people care what the narrative is. When you go into a game from Bethesda Game Studios, you don't care about the narrative. Yeah. I don't care really about the narrative of Dovahkiin and what he's doing in Skyrim. It's about the moment-to-moment gameplay and about immersing myself in the world and just having fun doing the tasks and just exploring the world. And what happens in the rest of it, who cares? You know, you're so right. I've never thought about that before. I've put maybe – I've only maybe played like 80 hours of Skyrim in my day, right? And I couldn't tell you any fucking thing that happens during that. I know I'm Dragonborn, I believe. I remember I harassed a chicken in a village and everyone was going after me at one point. But you're right, like, I don't really remember anything narrative-wise. But what I do remember is just the exploration. I remember, like you said, those moment-to-moment, going to the village, how how hard they leaned into that fantasy, which is 100% my jam, and the dungeons and the enemies. And so that's why I'm thinking about Starfield. When it comes to this, I feel like I we'll almost have to have to care about the narrative because again like exploring space doesn't sound exciting to me and again like i'm not trying to shit on this thing i'm just speaking my about my personal tastes and things i don't really want to explore space because to me that sounds like it's just going to be a bunch of black space with like a few planets here or there and then i think of something like no man's sky or like i don't know and i know like I'm probably going to be very wrong i think if a studio can nail this it's going to be them and i'm excited to be proved wrong I mean, I'm just not excited about exploring space, and that's a me thing. Hey, you, you know, it's not just a you thing. I think you either are into space games or you're not, right? And the fact that it's going to be a BGS game isn't going to make you more into exploring space. I think it might make you look at it and go, well, I really loved Fallout and Skyrim. Maybe I'll check out Starfield. But if you inherently aren't a space game fan, I don't think spending... 500 or a thousand hours and Starfield is going to be in the cards for you. Unless they can nail it. Well, I mean, but even if they nail it, like, I don't, 
I still don't think it's going to be your thing. Like, if it's just not your thing, it's not your thing, and that's okay. It's okay, right. I think about Mass Effect, though, right? And it's very spacey, but it's like that sci-fi fantasy, and I think there's a very distinct difference, like we were talking about, right? So if this is really going to lean into, like, realistic space where you're, like, flying through empty (laughs) space, you know, for moments at a time, get to a planet, explore it. Like, I just, I don't, I I'm excited to see what the brilliant minds at Bethesda come up with because I know I might come around and be like, they made me care, Andrea. And that's what I want. <laughs> okay. Uh, I love your optimism. I fully believe this game is going to be immersive and wonderful, but full of spacey things. <laughs> and how, wait, how did you feel about the Outer Worlds? No, I love the Outer Worlds because, again, like, if, and this is what I'm saying is like, you were, you were bringing up the point of like, who really cares about the narrative in a BGS game? And I'm like, that's fair because in Skyrim, I didn't give a shit. But in a game like right. this, and this is why I like the Outer Worlds, the deep narrative, the RPG mechanics, you know, it kept me engaged moment to moment. And like, that's what I yeah. love. And so the Obsidian writing like made that. Right, game. right. And I mean, BGS has like, good writing and great narrative so from what i hear not that i paid attention to it but from what people tell me yeah i i think the uh, listen even though i took an arrow to the knee became like the meme of the century that was pretty funny i wouldn't say that bgs games are known for their amazing illustrious narratives right there clearly they're known for their immersive deep gameplay right um and their world building right and i think that it's great when games can overlap those things, but you kind of sacrifice one for the other. I don't know of a game that has a truly giant immersive open world with phenomenal gameplay that also has like a diehard narrative. That's like so wonderful, except for honestly horizon. Yeah. (laughs) Is that bad to say? (laughs) No, but like the world of horizon zero dawn is not nearly as expansive as the world of, Skyrim, right? Like, it's very small compared to Skyrim. Um, There's not nearly as much to explore, but I think that's what you sacrifice, right? If you have a cohesive narrative that really is going to draw people in, you can't build this really giant open world. It just, like, you have... You have limited resources. Mm, And you have to make choices. It becomes known for one or the other. Is it, like, those moment-to-moment immersive atmospheric things that you get drawn to or is it the narrative you know um so we'll see i mean listen i i ranked on horizons trees for i don't know three years <laughs> of this show and i ended it was up, a while yeah i ended up playing it and i like 100 it almost and listen maybe maybe the same thing will happen maybe i'll be a space cadet maybe i'll explore every fucking planet in starfield maybe you will and then i hope they have like a uranus I don't know if that kind is of it, humor is their thing, but they are funny. Is it over Uranus there. or Uranus? Like, is there an official pronunciation for this planet? I mean, I've always said Uranus. No, why wouldn't you, right? Okay, well, I'm just going to the Google machine. Uranus. I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it's Uranus. Who? Yeah. who <laughs> sorry, real quick. How do you think that got? Are named? you sorry? You're not sorry. No, I'm not. How do you think that got named? Like, I, I know there's probably some philosophical, like, super historical meaningful way that this planet got the name but i kind of hope it was just a derpy scientist nasa who knows and they're like what do you want to call it uranus and i hope that it was 100 percent intentional that's what i hope for that planet you know what i mean ladies and gentlemen let's go on a journey let's do it let's take a what's good games elude and find out how did uranus get its name from coolcosmos.ipac.caltech.edu so an actual government <laughs> university website 
How did Uranus get its name? The Romans named the five planets closest to the sun after their most important gods. These were the only planets that were bright enough for them to see. Later, when telescopes were used, other planets were discovered. Astronomers decided to continue naming planets after Roman gods with one exception... Uranus. Uranus was named after the Greek god of the sky. According to myth, he was the father of Saturn and the grandfather of Jupiter. Andrea, so I, have a new god, the Greeks. I have a new god to worship. If anyone asks me what my religion is, Uranus, please pray be his name. It's, it's my new god. Let's go. I didn't know there was a god named Uranus. That's lovely. Apparently, Uranus, um, yeah. sometimes written um, with a O-U-R, which looks like Uranus, okay, um, which is you know is <laughs> thing is the personification of the sky. Ah, I see that. Okay, great, lovely. You know, I think this just reinforced the fact that we have the minds of elementary school children. <clears throat> well, today you learned everybody where Uranus. I, got you know, I'm happy name. I have that knowledge in my back pocket now. One of these times when we can get together and drink, I'm gonna <gasps> pull it out there. And I'm gonna woo everybody at the party. They're all gonna be so impressed with me gonna be like guess what guys <laughs> it's just out of the blue let me pull this out of my uranus anyway <clears throat> <laughs> i see what you did there <sighs> all right well um i'm sure we'll have no shortage of new information on starfield in the months to come leading up to its launch next holiday 2022 and with that we're going to end our news segment for the week and let's talk about some games that we've been playing but before we get to that, we have a word from another one of our sponsors. This episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by MeUndies. Andrea, can you believe it? The holidays are <gasps> almost upon us. I know, I'm so excited. Me too. But let's be honest, holiday wear time is already here. Oh, 100%. And it is time to really, really lean in. We're talking hugs. We're talking secret family recipes. We're talking about seeing the looks on your loved ones' faces as they unwrap all of their matching PJ sets at the same time. And this year, MeUndies wants to help you bring comfort home for the holidays. This is your sign to surround your family and friends with comfort. While you're at it, why not get a little something-something for yourself, too? So I have lots of MeUndies garb. Um, Jason has like 15 pairs of me in these boxers because he's kind of obsessed with it, but no one cares about Jason. Everyone cares about me. I have a lovely <laughs> purple unicorn onesie. I have a lovely red holiday onesie. I used to wear them at Andrea's house when I used to see her all the time. I have Star Wars pants. I have other Christmas Listen, I know like it's easy to probably think like, oh, you know, these people are their sponsors. Of course, they're going to endorse it. Like real talk. Their stuff is so incredibly comfortable. Everyone that I introduce them to gets turned on to it. So just trust me. Trust me. Treat your bottoms nicely, friends, and give them comfort. I was not told to say that. I said that myself. With new classic plaid and holiday sweater prints, MeUndies is turning up the comfort this holiday season. Their undies, loungewear, and sleepwear are made out of soft, breathable, stretchy fabrics that are ideal for getting cozy by the fire with a cup of hot cocoa. My god, that sounds so nice. Make the whole fam smile with matching PJ sets or spoil your partner with plush robes and slippers. Whatever you decide, everyone will be rolling into the new year comfier than before. There are sizes available extra small through 4XL, and MeUndies has a little something for everyone on your list. Are you looking for more inspiration? Check out their holiday gift guide for all things cozy and comfy. MeUndies has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off of in free shipping right to your door. 
Your days of fighting for your life in the mall parking lot are over, thank God. To get 15% off of your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash WGG. That's MeUndies.com slash WGG. All right, Brittany. Yes. This is where we talk about what we've been playing. And it looks like you've been dipping your toes in the Pokemon waters. I have. And uh, my relationship with Pokemon, I think everyone's relationship with Pokemon, Andrea, is the epitome of an unhealthy relationship. We don't like oh. the way it treats us, but we buy all of it all the time. Are we? So it's like me and everything in the Eververse store in Destiny. 100%. <laughs> Yes, we talk about it. We talk about the flaws with it, but yet we can't get enough of it. And then when we're doing and playing the thing, we're like, oh, this is actually really fun and this is nice, but they give you so much better. So I'm only maybe five hours into Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Jason alongside me is playing Shining Pearl. Neither one of us had played the original games before. So hopping into these, I hate to call them remakes because they're really not a remaster, I suppose is what this is more akin to because I think it's almost a one-for-one copy. There are some new things uh, implemented in the Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl games. Anyway, it's fun. You know, it's a fun, it's the Pokemon formula we all know and love. It's the same shit, different day, but it just never gets old. And that's why they keep making these half-assed remakes and we keep buying the shit out of them. And it's just so frustrating. I've made it clear that I love this and I love these games, but I'm gonna rant for a bit. And I've, I've, I've had this rant before. It's so frustrating that one of the, if not the most popular IP, the most successful IP on this freaking planet can't put more than a half-assed effort into remaking their games. I mean, it's just so upsetting to me, Andrea. It's the way the game controls, like the animations, just, again, this is nothing new. This is what happens with these games. There, it's just we all love the gameplay so much. We love the Pokemon and we love building our Pokedex and we love grinding. And it, it, there's cute moments, yes, and colorful moments, yes. But it's just something a little more enthusiastic would be would be greatly, greatly appreciated. And so I'm just hoping against hope that when Arceus comes out next month, that it really lights a fire underneath the Pokemon series. And and that's it. You know, it is what it is. Like. It is what it is. It's just that thing that we've talked about because people are just going to keep buying it. And that's why there's no urge to innovate and actually like turn this into a full blown. And I want to respect the developer's vision of the cute little chibi styles. And it is adorable. But I look at a game like Link's Awakening that just got a fantastic remake and how beautiful and lovely that looked and just how much more effort went into that. Take that effort. But do it with a Pokemon game like this. I mean, it's just like some of it is just so kind of eh, when you play it. It's just, you know, like the hip. I don't know what you want to call it. But like you want to walk around a tree, for example, right? There's like this invisible square force field around each tree that if you don't cut it just right, you're like walking against the invisible wall that you can't see. And it's little stuff mm -hmm. like that. That's like I don't want to be super nitpicky. But I feel like I'm at a point where I want to start being super nitpicky because it's almost borderline unacceptable. It's 2021. It's about to be 2022. Those kinds of gameplay systems, to me, are just not accept acceptable from a studio and from a franchise like Pokemon that's one of the most financially successful franchises in the world and has been around for decades. Like, I know that you 
said that there not isn't necessarily a reason for them to innovate, but how about just wanting to do something different? Wanting to say, let's make this game the best game it could possibly be. Let's bring old players back into the fold who aren't excited about remasters. Obviously, they're always going to have their, you know, diehard fan base that keep buying it. But if they want to bring, you know, renewed energy and enthusiasm to the Pokemon franchise, they have to innovate much like Zelda did with Breath of the Wild, right? It got me, somebody who's never really spent that much time with Zelda, um, to finish Breath of the Wild and spend a lot more time in that game. And I think that they need that. And, you know, obviously Legends of Acreus, is that how we're saying it? Arceus, yeah. Arceus is coming next year. And I know that that's going to be a little bit of a different experience. And I think, you know, once that game comes out, we'll be able to kind of really see and make some predictions about where we think the future of the Pokemon franchise is going. Mm -hmm. But I'm with you that this just seems to me like a cash grab. And are people going to buy it? Yes. Is it worth your money when you can get other games? I don't know. I'm not a Pokemon player, so I can't answer that question. Yeah, and I think that's what's so hard is it does – Pokemon is so unique, and I think the only real competitor I've seen is Temtem, which I really want to get back to playing because I think Temtem is a better version of Pokemon. Like, I don't really think there's much of a question there. It feels like a modernized version of what Pokemon could be. But, yeah, it delivers such a nostalgic, warm and fuzzy experience. The core gameplay is just, like, so relaxing and therapeutic that you want to play them. And it's that thing of – I get that, you know, like, I feel like we've all grown up, you know, I think about back in my day when I was a sentient human, I think I was like eight or nine when Pokemon first came out, you know, now I'm 33, like we've all grown up with Pokemon, we're all adults now, you know, but I feel like Pokemon is still so stuck in that like Pokemon red and blue era where it's at the time, like it was simple because it needed to be simple because it was on Game Boy. But now with technology the way it is, there's no reason why it can't grow and innovate and kind of grow up with all of us while still remaining, you know, that E for everyone rating so younger people can still get into it and play if that's really what you want. And I just, you know, as long as we're all buying it, like I don't know when they would ever be like, let's just innovate for the sake of innovating. And I know Arceus is doing that to an extent. We don't know how much because we haven't actually played it yet. But from what we've seen, it looks like it's going in a very different direction. But when it comes to these remakes, there's just so much untapped potential. And um, I feel like eventually, and maybe this is just like me being in my emotions right now, I know Nintendo has, in Game Freak and the Pokemon company, that's who I should address this to, has heard the feedback. I just hope that it spurs action and it's not one of those things of like, sure, everyone's talking, but that money is just still rolling in, so whatever. Um, it's kind of like how I've talked about before where when Sword and Shield came out, everyone had these grand hopes of like, this is going to be the breath of the wild of Pokemon. But I don't think it's going to get there overnight. And I think it's going to take three or four versions of Pokemon games coming to these modern consoles, aka the Switch, for us to kind of get that game that we really, really want because they're just so slow to innovate and grow and change this franchise. Anyway, that's my rant on Pokemon that I know all of you have heard from me many times before. But I've said my piece. I've been holding that in all week because I've wanted to get it out there. And it's out. And now I'm going to sleep better tonight. Thank you. Do you feel good? Good. I do. That's important. Thanks. <sighs> 100% okay. This is your safe space to rant about Pokemon. <laughs> Thank you, Andrea. Thank you. Love you.
Because the things that we love, we want the best That's from. It. And we have high expectations from because we cherish them and hold them dear. And we want them to delight us over and over again. And sometimes they don't. And that's a bummer. Yeah. And it's okay to talk about it being a bummer. It is. That's what West Good Games is for. <laughs> um, so I have been continuing to play Lego Star Wars Battles on my phone and have been continuing to have a love-hate relationship <laughs> with it. It was funny. I was looking at my husband when I was playing it. I was like, I hate your stupid game. And he was like, I didn't make that game. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I know, but you worked on it. And he was like, well, sort of. <laughs> But I was like, but then I just like keep playing it because it's it's addicting. And you know what? And we have to I'm, just stop you right here and be like, you know, now Andrea is <laughs> never going to give a Disney game a favorable review just because John works on it. Here's your proof. Yes. No. <laughs> I, I didn't do it when he was working at PlayStation. I'm not going to do it when he's working at Disney. It's just it's just the way it is. I, t- I tell it like it is, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but it was. I just, I think I keep playing because it's just so well designed and I just keep getting plagued by matchmaking problems. And so when I'm having some matchmaking bad luck, I just put it down. I'm like, I'll just come back later. Um, But I've had some really good runs where I've had really close matches and I've been starting to use my like emotes and like these little messages you can send people at the end to be like, to be like good game or well played or that was close or Stuff like that. And they have like little emotes you can send. And I, to be honest, I haven't been getting much feedback back. Oh. Not a lot of people. I was going to ask, like, are people like responding? Are they trolling? Is it chill? I haven't gotten any trolls. Um, I have gotten some responses. Like some people will send emotes if they win or whatever. Um, but I haven't gotten a lot of, I haven't gotten any griefing. Okay. Um, but there's not like a big social system set in the game. Sure. They have a leaderboard system. And what's frustrating about it is that it resets, I think, every five or six days. And then if you if you open up the game on a reset day, they're like, you're in, like, position number five. <laughs> and I'm like, well, there's, like, five more days to go. I'm pretty sure by the time I log back <laughs> in, I'll be, like, in position, like, 2,000 or whatever. Um I'm like, I keep telling myself to set a calendar reminder for like 12 hours before the leaderboards <laughs> close so I can like spam a bunch of matches. <laughs> but I never, but I never do. Um, I think my frustration now is it's just grindy. Mm. It's a super grindy game. And I want to see the design of some of the later planets because they do these timed events. And let me get the name of the timed event that's happening. And the timed events kind of show you some of the cool later game stages and stuff that you can play on. So right now the timed event is called a reinforcements battle. And then there's a second timed event called an ambitious assault that features, um, I think it's General Hux, uh, is attempting to invade Taxodana to bring its citizen to their knees. Taxodana don't want none unless he got buns, hun. Continue. Yes, that's right. That was a nice little improv, Brittany. Um, And so the special events are um, like a ladder, and each tier you win, you get a prize. And the prizes are pretty good. They're really mostly focused on these upgrade gems that are really hard to win in your regular battles, and they give big amounts of them in the special events. But you, it's like a three-strike system. So if you lose three battles you get timed out for like 
two hours ah. and then you have to wait and then come back. And so this again just smacks of the game right. being tuned for microtransactions and for buying your way back in. But yeah. because again, it's an Apple arcade, there's no microtransactions, but they still have it all built into the game. And I'm like, I don't want to wait two hours to get back in. I want to play. I have time to play right now. In two hours, my baby's going to be awake and screaming at me again. So would you pay, though, if the opportunity was there? Yes, would. I would. Okay. I am no stranger to paying microtransactions in mobile games, especially well-designed mobile games that I think are worth paying for because this is a technically it's not a free to play game it's a $5 Apple Arcade subscription to play this game but you don't have to pay for this game separately if you pay for the app it's like a game Xbox Game Pass game right. right like it's free if you have the subscription but everything inside the game is free there's nothing you can't buy anything inside the game but this is a really well designed game from TT for the people who make all the Lego games like and the gameplay is great the graphics are wonderful i haven't had you know, like any t time issues with matchmaking, I'm always able to get into a game right away. But because of that, you know, some of the balancing is bad. I'll sometimes get matched against somebody who has like 10 trophies who I just crush <laughs> and it makes me feel good about myself. Um, or I'll get matched against somebody who has like 700 trophies and then they crush me, right? Yeah. Um, and so like that's the only like downside to that. But I absolutely would have dumped money into this game if microtransactions were turned on, which is, I think, what, you know, they're obvious, Disney is obviously hoping for, mm -hmm. um, right? But I don't, you know, the, when I asked, so remember the first time I talked about this, I had reached out to Warner Brothers PR, and they didn't have an answer for me um, at the time, but they did come back to me later on and say there was no plans to bring this to any other platforms okay. at this time. So that to me means... It's going to be on Apple Arcade indefinitely unless there's like an exclusivity period that ends out, runs out in like a year or more. Right. So, and then the shackles are like, off well, and they break free and then they make all of their money. Or they have to, if they want to keep the player base going, you know, they have to, you know, change some things about the game. Right. But if they already got their money from Apple, they might just be like, deuces. Yeah. We're out. Working on the next thing. There you go. Hmm. So, but the game, the game is just really well built, and there's so much thought put into like the individual cards that you get to build your deck. I've like unlocked some new heroes, but buying new heroes with gems just is—it's a grind. It takes a really long time to earn enough to play like hours and hours and hours of play, but yeah. I'm still having fun and with that's it. That's all so that matters right now. Yeah, exactly. But I have something else I want to talk okay. about. But before we get to that, you are playing Final Fantasy IX again? <laughs> I told you. And that's like what I was just saying about you and Lego. Whatever brings you happiness right now, like fucking do it. And yeah. that's what I'm doing with Final yeah. Fantasy IX is that there's an NVIDIA leak of um, the GeForce leak of Final Fantasy IX Remake coming. You know, we're getting that little go-kart thing that I always forget the name of, but you always remember the name of it. It's Chocobo GP. That, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I've just been thinking about it a lot lately. You know, that's one of my absolute favorite games of all time, and it's so special to me in so many different ways, and I just kind of wanted to, like, go back into that world. But what I didn't want to do is have to worry about all the grinding and the 
leveling and, you know, saving money and buying the best gear. I don't want to deal with that. I put in my time, ladies and gentlemen. I'll have you know, I manually got all of my Final Fantasy IX characters to level 99 without codes back in the day because I was 13 and I had all the time in the world. But a glorious concept. Uh, so I've been... I've been thinking about it a lot. So yeah, I've been uh, playing it on my Switch now. I downloaded it on my Switch, and I've been playing about an hour or two a night before bed. Um, <laughs> I get to bed early, and then I stay up far too late. Because listen, my child's going to wake me up anyway, so I may as well like make the most of that time. Because otherwise, you wake up groggy as hell when your kid wakes you up out of a dead sleep. So like, why sleep and just when you can just stay awake and not worry about getting groggy? I don't know what you're talking I about. Know, I know I you no don't idea. know what it's like to have a six-month-old Andrea. <laughs> I know you have no clue, but let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> we're so tired you guys we're so tired i got four hours of sleep last night <laughs> glorious i know right what is that i know it was really what nice. does that feel like in, tell me all about it was interrupted it. but it was glorious um no what interrupted yeah. and here's the here's <sighs> the kicker ladies and gentlemen if your child doesn't wake you up your aching boobs will because they're filling with milk and they'll be like yo release the kraken so that's the other kicker it's great Anyway, I digress. We're not here to talk about breast milk. Uh, Final Fantasy IX. And so I tweeted about this earlier this week. If you're just looking, and again, like I've said this term before, chicken soup for the soul. Ninu Kuni is one of those games. But Final Fantasy IX for me is like the epitome. It's like grandma's best cup of chicken noodle soup. It is just so damn good. And it feels so good to play. And the characters and the story and the narrative, it all still holds up incredibly well. I mean, there are a few little moments where you're like, okay, Zidane's kind of like a little, like, maybe a little, a little, a hormone, hormonal, hormonal driven 16 year old, I think is what I'll call that. Uh, They They all are are at that age. But, you know, just download it, turn on all of the boosters, because now that the game's been re-released, I think it was in 2017, it has these new boosters. I know Andrea knows about this, but you can level 99, uh, with the click of a tap of a button, you can have infinite money. You can fast forward through all the battles if you want. There's a new auto save. It's the only way to play. It really is literally the only way to play. It is. Yeah. I mean, like, unless you still have the time to do that, then that's, I envy you first and foremost, but also like, it's okay. Like the turn-based grinding, it still has a place, but I feel like it's kind of outdated in this day and age. Unfortunately, my favorite genre, but I just don't have the time for it anymore. Um, I mean, you could barely turn around in that forest and run into another battle. It's like you can't get anywhere. It literally, it reminds me of old coin-op games that put obstacles in your way just to get you to pump more quarters in the machine. And it was just a different style of game development. And like you said, like, it's just we're in a different era now. It just really feels like wasting time. It does. Like, turn turn all the fancy lovers on. Turn them all on and just enjoy this narrative. Enjoy the characters. Enjoy what I think is the best story in all of the Final Fantasy games. I just love it so much. And I've seen a few people who are playing it for the first time. And I'm hearing nothing but positive feedback. So if you're looking for something that has kind of that charm of the 2000 era, um, it was a PlayStation RPG. But now, obviously, it's on different platforms. And you can turn on all the boosters. Just do it and play it. And it is such a ride. And it is so good. And that's all. And that's, and that's all awesome. she had to say. Um, so I know we don't have a lot that we're playing at the moment, but I have something that I've been watching that I know a couple people have reached oh. out to me about talking about, and it is the Wheel of Time uh. series on Amazon. So we've talked about 
um, the Wheel of Time on What's Good Games a couple of times. Um, I got Steimer into reading it. Um, it's one of my like deep fantasy loves. I've talked about you know the fact that I'm like a hardcore fantasy lit person mm-hmm. on the show multiple times. And if you guys aren't familiar, so the Wheel of Time. Um, I'm just pulling up a trailer for the series, which I'll get to in just a second. So The Wheel of Time is a 14-book series written by Robert Jordan and finished by Brandon Sanderson, one of my favorite modern authors, because sadly, Robert Jordan passed before he finished the series, which a lot of people are worried is going to happen to George R.R. Martin before he ever finishes Game of Thrones. But now the series finished Game of Thrones, and it doesn't really matter. That's a conversation for another time. Um, and this was a really big part of my, my, really my life growing up. So the, the books debuted in the 90s, and I read them, you know, all through high school and into college, and... It's such an investment of time, but it's such an amazing payoff. Like Sanderson landed that plane with fucking flying colors. And the world building is rarely seen in any genre of literature, let alone in the fantasy fiction. And the first book definitely smacks a lot of Tolkien. Like there's no getting around it. But what Jordan goes on to do later in the series was really develops this wonderful wonderful world in the wheel of time and when amazon said that they were going to be investing in a series for it i was very excited so of course i've been watching um in the wee hours of the (laughs) night when my child is is sleeping and what i think has been you know kind of interesting about it is that you know it feels like fans of the books are divided Mm. on how they feel about the franchise because what's happening with any adaptation is that some liberties are being taken, some changes have been made, and we don't really quite know where the showrunners are going to take it, but we know that they have to move quickly with some plot points because it's a long-ass series, mm-hmm. and even though we hope that it's going to get multiple seasons, it's a really expensive show. Clearly, Amazon is hoping that this is going to be their next Game of Thrones, like the success that HBO saw with that franchise. Um, but even if it is as successful as Game of Thrones, like they're never going to be able to cover everything in the entire series in a television adaptation. It's just not going to happen. So that said, um, you know, I'm enjoying it. I think it's been really well done for television. I think that they've, you know, made a couple of changes that are kind of head scratching, but nothing that I'm angry about yet. Okay. <laughs> so, so I think that I'm, eagerly awaiting where the franchise is going to go and maybe when it's done um there is something i can do to maybe do like a spoiler cast or something like that um but if you enjoy fantasy even if you've never read the books if you just enjoy fantasy series and you have amazon prime it's a great series so far four episodes are out currently and they've got some wonderful protagonists. And, you know, I'm just really excited to see where the series is going to go. And hopefully I'll have more to say on it as it um, as it rolls out. But The Witcher 2 is also out. Season 2. I can't keep just up. Just dropped today. I so. can't keep up. I still haven't seen I saw so a much. few episodes of The Witcher drunk. And then <laughs> I just, I can't, TV and me and series and me, unless it's anime. But 
some of them are kind of slow in the, in season yeah. one. I haven't watched season two yet, but so I was watching that Wheel of Time trailer, and I granted, I'm not mm-hmm. like I wouldn't call myself a critic the way I call myself a video game critic. That trailer, Andrea, honestly looked very boring, very boring, <laughs> and I. I Okay. I thought every shot looked the same. There was a human face with like a fantasy background and that was it. And then there was a village on fire and some people in fancy clothes. Like, can you, I know you've talked about it, but can you give me like a few minute TLDR? Like, what should I expect? Like, what's the plot here? Sure. I mean, and that's a fair criticism. It's one that I've seen quite a, quite a bit. Um, and what's, you know, a fair criticism is that like, there's a lot of systems in the world that are just really difficult to explain over a television adaptation Mm. versus a book, right? Like, that's why I think people revere the Lord of the Rings trilogy movie from Peter Jackson so much because what he did adapting that iconic fantasy trilogy into a movie is not easily done, right? And he did a phenomenal job with it. I think universally loved, right, those movies, the Lord of the Rings. So The Wheel of Time is about a fictional fantasy world where there is this idea that this wheel um, kind of weaves this power in and out and that people don't truly ever die. It's almost Buddhist in the sense that like when you die, your soul goes back into the Mm. wheel and then eventually the wheel will turn your soul back out into a new body later on down the line, right? So there's this kind of ethos and there's this spiritual essence called the one power. You might liken it to the force in Star Wars. They're very different for a lot of reasons, and and don't at me, everybody, but just so you have something to grasp onto, like a concept, um, that there's like a light side and a dark side um, to the one power, and in the Wheel of Time, there's a yin and yang, female to male side of the one power, and so it's like this magical ability that women can touch and use, and then use the one power to manifest magic in the world. And men who use the one power to manifest magic um, go mad because the dark one, the like Sauron figure um, in the Wheel of Time has corrupted the male half of the power. Uh And so any man who touches the one power tries to channel it and use it um, ultimately goes crazy and ends up like hurting people, killing people, whatever. So there's this group of women who learn to channel called the Aes Sedai and they are protectors of the world and channelers of the one power and they use it to keep the world safe and to keep it at peace. And then this one section of the Aes Sedai go and hunt down men who are trying to channel the one power to make sure that they're not hurting anybody with it. But there's a prophecy uh, where this man, well, in the books, it's a man. And in the series, we don't know if it's a man. They've kind of left it open-ended if it will be a woman or a man um, called the Dragon Reborn, who is destined to be the greatest, like the most powerful channeler that's ever lived, who is meant to face the Dark One in like this final battle because the Dark One is currently like imprisoned and then the Dark One's breaking free of his prison slowly. Like Ganon, like Sauron, like there's like a lot of like, you know, like correlations you can make in other different fictional universes as well like he's like getting ready to break free and the dragon reborn is prophesized to have been born to literally fight the dark one in like the last battle to save the to save earth or whatever it's not earth it's like this fictional world anyway so that's kind of like the over narrative and then there's this just like wonderful deep 
characters um, of these these people who are all wondering who, which one of them is the dragon reborn. Oh. And and then the Aes Sedai are these like magical women. They're not quite witches or warlocks. They're, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a whole unique yeah. system, right? The Wheel of Time is one of the greatest fantasy series ever written. So it's a lot, it's really dense though. That's the problem is that with book adaptations is that a lot of them are bad because it's just really difficult to get a lot of those details right unless you have a really good showrunner, which clearly Game of Thrones did. Game of Thrones had great showrunners, but the complex systems inside Game of Thrones weren't nearly as deep as they are in The Wheel of Time because mm. Game of Thrones didn't have as much fantasy and as much magic in it as The Wheel of Time does. And so I'm really interested to see how they're going to get it to play out on screen and if they're going to be able to keep people interested because game of thrones was easy to get into if you'd never read the books it was just relationships it was mostly politics and the fantasy aspects and the magical aspects of game of thrones were like really surface level it was like frozen zombies are gonna come and get (laughs) you um you know and there's some dragons that breathe fire you know that's an easy concept to understand but it's pretty base level as far as fantasy elements are in game of thrones but wheel of time is not base level wheel of time is like push up your glasses like super nerd Ooh, shit. <laughs> okay, so do you think, because what you just described is infinitely more interesting than what I saw in that trailer. Because I am now a, someone who walks, I mean, I've done this for a long time. Walk on the treadmill, watch something. Like, that's my new thing. And I'm looking for something kind of like fantasy-y to get into. So again, like, I don't know if you already covered this, but brand new to it, can I watch it and understand it? Or am I going to be like, this is way over my head? Because I got Game of Thrones, like you said, because it was very base level and interesting. Yeah. Okay. I think you absolutely can watch it and understand it. So my criticism of it was that for people who have read the series, it's just woefully lacking in a lot of details. But you, as somebody who has never read it, aren't going to know that those details exist. And I think that they do a decent job of setting the world so far because they haven't introduced a lot of the more... um, Glass pusher-up moments. Yes, the more complicated concepts. Like... You don't know like the finite details of how they use the one power and the way that they weave it and how it all works. Um, and because you don't know that, you don't know that you're missing Got that, it. right? Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I'm interested to see where I'm interested to see where it goes. So we'll 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 keep watching. Hopefully it gets good, gets better. So we'll Speaking see. Speaking of movies that are may or may not be good. Uh, next week, I'm seeing Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. So I'll have to talk about that. Yeah. I know. Ooh, I ooh. rented out a whole ass theater for Jason and I to go see it. Because um, Heck yes, I, you, you know did. What? Isn't that lovely that that's a thing you it can is. do now? It is. And like, hell, like, I haven't seen a movie in a theater in so long. I'm like, treat yourself. And I know I'm going to want to talk the whole time. I'm going to want to nerd out. Jason's not going to know what the fuck I'm saying. But like, he's going to listen. Are you bringing Jace? No. That's a, he's going to, going to grandma's house that night. Oh, yes. Nice. I'm so excited. So I'll have to report back on that next week. Good for Thanks. you. Yeah, let us know. Let us know how you like it. I'll see it whenever it comes to streaming platforms. You're not going to rent a whole theater to see Resident Evil, Andrea? What do you mean? <sighs> you it's know, okay. I probably could have done that for Dune and I didn't. Um, but I'm glad I didn't because Dune kind of disappointed yeah. me. <laughs> but there's some there's some good movies. There's some good movies coming down the pipeline. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for this episode of What's Good Games. Thanks so much for joining us. Next week is the Game Awards 2021. 
We're very excited about it. And because of that, I'm not going to be on the show because I'm going to be IRL. But we're going to be getting a special <laughs> guest. Do we keep the special guest secret or do you want to talk about I don't care. Guest? I would say you you go with your gut, baby girl. I'll give you the honor of deciding what you want to do with that. Well, let's keep okay. it secret. It'll be fun. Um, but we will be back the week after that. And um, then we're into the yeah. holidays. And then we have our Gosh, yearly episodes, our most anticipated in the WGG Awards. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. I know. Wow. Time has just flown by. Well, everybody, uh, don't forget about that holiday code, Santa's butt, at whatsgoodgames.com slash store if you want to get some holiday gear to get into the season. Uh, see you next time, everybody. Bye. Bye.